0: I remember one time I was talking with this guy who wanted to argue with me. You realize arguing the Bible is not wise most you know you're just it's like if you're a Republican arguing with a Democrat, if you're going to argue theology or that type of thing you're probably wasting your breath. but this guy wanted to argue with me and and he wanted to argue with me about the end times and and he was convinced. In his heart and mind, and that's fine with me if he was, that the church was going to go through the tribulation. And I mean, he was absolutely convinced of it. And he didn't like that I, that I didn't think that. And he looked at me and he said, "You people like you, you're just, you're just escapists. You're all about escape. And I thought, you're exactly right. <laughs> Noah escaped through the flood. Moses escaped from Egypt with all those people. Daniel escaped from the lion's den. Jesus escaped from the tomb. We escape wrath. In the scripture, the the Bible tells us that we have not been appointed unto wrath. And it's very clear that it says the book of Revelation is about wrath. And we escape it. And I thought, yeah, I'm I'm an escapist. Then I thought of of this. All all this came to mind today in my daily daily Bible reading. But I thought of this verse. This is in Psalm 71. The scripture says, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Now listen to this. And cause me to escape. (laughs) Incline thine ear unto me and save me. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort, for thou hast given commandment to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress. But listen, if you're not escape-minded, you've got to get in the Bible. You've got to look at what does the Scripture tell us? What is, it, what is it telling us? God intends for us to escape. Now, sometimes we escape from, sometimes we escape through. But we we escape. God wants us to be people who escape. Listen to this. This was my daily Bible reading today. Part of it. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1. It says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Jesus told us in Mark chapter 4, He said, Take heed what you hear. He said, That means be aware of what you're listening to. Pay attention to what you hear. You see, because those who hear and listen, meditate, more will be given to them. Those who hear and don't pay attention to it, even what they have will be taken from them. It'll slip, is what this verse is saying. It says we need need to give earnest heed to what we've heard. Verse 2 says in Hebrews 2, For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Now think about that. If the words spoken by angels, remember Lot, his wife, they said, come on now, and they took him, they said, don't you dare look back. She looked back with longing. And became a cow lick after that. (laughs) I mean, what the Lord spoke to those angels was absolutely true. It says, It says, if they didn't escape not listening to the angels, what's going to happen to us if we neglect so great salvation? Which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by them that heard him? Said first, Jesus said it. Now we're saying it. I love this part. God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders and divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Need a miracle in your life? What this is saying is pay attention to what he said. The escape comes from the word. Now that's good, isn't it? We escape. God intends for us to escape. There's always a plan. He always knows exactly what to do. You know one one of the covenant names of God, we in in the in the 80s we sang that song Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Yeah. Remember that song? Yeah. Well, the word Jireh, Hebrew it's Yirah, it literally means the one who sees. It's talking about God who sees. He sees the provision. He sees what's next. He sees what is coming up. And the passage it's talking about in Genesis is when Abraham offered the ram. He was offering the ram and Isaac said, "Well, Hey, Dad, where's the sacrifice? He said, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. The Lord already sees the ram. He already knows what to do. It's either you and you get raised from the dead or it's something else. And so we understand that God already sees it. He already knows exactly what to do. All we have to do is is get his word and pay attention to it. Pay attention to it. Tammy and I were having a conversation last night or this morning. I can't remember when. And we said, you know what? If God, if we're following God to the best of our ability, whatever he wants for us is good. You know, he's not going to punish you for the rest of your life. You know, I mean, as a teenager, I thought, I hope I have to marry some ugly uh, ugly girl. God, would you make me marry an ugly girl? He knew I was too carnal to marry an ugly one, so he gave me Tammy. I was really happy about it. God is good. His plan is good. Listen, I believe with all of my heart. The Bible is God's word. I am absolutely convinced that every question, every situation, everything in life, we can find the answer in God's word if we will just look, if we will listen, if we will pay attention to what he's saying. I'm telling you, I am convinced of it. One time I was talking to this lady, and she said, she was telling me, she said, I have this problem, and, and I need to tell you about it, but don't give me just a bunch of scriptures. And I'm like, well, what else do you want me to do? I'm the pastor of the church. That's what I do. I mean, you mean to prescribe you some drug? I don't know what you want here. All I have, all you have, all we need is God's word. The devil has has people running scared. The Scripture says we're complete in Him. We're complete. The word complete is the same word as the word filled. It means to be crammed full, replete. Totally full. When we have Him, we have everything. And He and His Word are inseparable. We need to quit letting the devil run us around. We need to get hold of the Word of God. It's kind of like that time that I was in the backyard with a couple other guys and, and, and we were lying to each other about how we had our wives trained. <laughs> and everybody kept bragging about how they'd get their wives to do anything. They, they said, well, I'd get my wife to do anything. I said, well, I'm going to tell you something. I got Tammy so trained, the other day I had her crawling on her hands and knees toward me. They said, whoa, how, how, how did you do that? I said, well, see, I was laying under the bed, and she crawled over, over to the bed. She said, you come out of there and fight like a man. <laughs> but that's kind of the way the devil has the church, right? I mean, Christians, they talk big as long as we're in church, but then as soon as there's a fight... They crawl under the bed or you know, crawl someplace. We need to get hold of the word of God. Listen, if we if we can just begin to understand, I don't have all the answers here, but I'm telling you, the book has the answers. And if we can just begin to take his word, we're gonna find out as we believe what he said, that channel that, that the grace flows it from is just gonna be wide open. And we're going to see more and more. We're going to hear more and more. We're going to know more and more. Because God's grace will be multiplied in our lives. Well, that just brings me to our text. John 1.16 And of His fullness we have all received and grace for grace. I started teaching my staff about that this week. started talking about in grace for grace. They're all denominational people. And when I started talking about it, the Lord just lit them up. They said, What? There's there, there there are layers of grace. I read to them from the Amplified Version, for out of his fullness, his abundance, we have all received, all had a share, were all supplied with one grace after another, and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, even favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. And they were they, they they just they just said, Wait, 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 wait. You mean there's more than just grace to to get born again? Because the Bible says, By grace are you saved. I said, quote the rest of the verse. They said, That's it. I said, No, that's not it. By grace are you saved, through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. I said The word saved, I told him, and you know this, because I've taught you this every week. I said, the word saved doesn't mean born again. It means delivered, rescued, made well, made whole. I said, I said, for grace, the grace of God. There's a layer for born again, but there's a layer for being made whole. There's a layer for being rescued, for being delivered. There's a we just need more layers of it. We talked about how that the word for grace is literally favor, unmerited favor. I said, you know The word grace has nothing to do with your sin. It has to do with your destiny. It has to do with where God is taking you. The doors He will open. The things He will do in front of you, beside you, behind you. So you can walk into the healing. So you can walk into the deliverance. So you can walk into what He has. You see, that's what grace is about. Mercy is about my sins. (laughs) Praise God that His mercy is new every morning. But His mercy is there. It's His unmerited favor. I told you, the Lord told me, grace is God's power that opens heaven on our behalf. I mean, it's that thing that opens up. You walk in, and they're getting ready to tell you no, and they go, you know what? Yes. And God opens the door. He opens the way. Listen, I tell you, the grace is there if we'll simply believe Him. Grace is God's enabling force that enables us to accomplish his will. That's what grace does. It was his will for you to get born again. And grace was the enabling force that caused you to go there. Grace. It was God's will for you to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. That was God's will. You know, in my life, he just happened to put me with the people. And I went to see that crazy woman preacher named Catherine Kuhlman and it changed my whole life. Because it was his grace. It was his favor that did that. So we see, we have favor. We, we found out that we have the same kind of favor that Mary had. And the scripture said she was highly favored. Not regular favored. Highly favored. You know, this guy asked me the other day at work, every day, he says, what do you know? He hadn't asked me that since this day. He said, what do you know? And I said, this is what I know. I know that Jesus became a curse for me and that I have the blessing of Abraham. Not only am I blessed, I am highly, highly favored. And he said, that's good. (laughs) He hadn't asked me that question since that day. We're highly favored. See, grace draws God's blessing. Grace brings out his goodness in our lives. Can you tell I really like this subject? it's really a good subject we've seen that we have to we have to we can come boldly before the throne of grace. God just sits on this throne of grace, and he dispenses with decree his will for our lives. We saw scriptures that said grace, great grace was upon them. We saw that we, he gives more grace, so there there are just different levels of grace. We saw last week we talked about we talked about the grace period. That was pretty fun. The grace period. It's that time when, when you are given, given favor so you don't have to pay the penalty that is due. We call it the church age. We call it the dispensation of grace, but it's the grace period. We don't have to pay the penalty that is due because of the grace of God. So tonight, I want us to look at something else, or continue this. We read this passage two times ago, out of James chapter 4, verse 6. James chapter 4, verse 6. I love the way it starts. It says, but he giveth more grace. We give our opinion. He gives more grace. He gives more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, But giveth grace to the lucky ones. No, he giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. A lot of people focus on this resist the devil part, but here's the key. Submit yourself to God. That's humility. We talked about that. We said the humility is simply agreeing with God. If God says all those things that Peggy read a few minutes ago that you are, and he said all of those, if he said that's the way it is, it doesn't matter what you feel like. It doesn't matter what somebody else said. It doesn't matter if you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. What God said is true. Humility is saying, God, you're right. If God said, By his stripes, you were healed. For you to say anything else is pride. Ouch. If God said, you are the righteousness of God in Christ, doesn't matter if you just lied. You need to go back and say, you know what, what you said is right. Because I know the reality is, if I, by faith, will receive the judgment of sin that was placed upon Christ, then I don't have to take it on myself and that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. God gives more grace to the humble. More grace. Another level of grace. Think about this. The Bible says in Numbers 12, verse 3, Now the man Moses, who wrote the book of Numbers, do you know? The man Moses wrote the book. Here's what the verse says. Now, the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Wait a minute. Moses wrote that Moses was more meek than anybody else on the face of the earth. Why would he write that? Because the Spirit of God told him to write it. He breathed The Spirit of God breathed it into Moses' spirit. He wrote it out. Moses didn't even have to feel anything. He just had to say what God said because what God said is true. And so Moses wrote that. Think about this. Who was the most used man of God in that generation? Moses. Because he was the most humble, the most meek, and he received the favor of God. He went to Pharaoh and he said, Let him go. And Pharaoh's like, Are you crazy? In the end, Pharaoh was like, Get out, get out, get out. The favor of God was on him. Because he was meek. The word meek, by the way, doesn't mean weak. The word meek, I think I've told you this before, has, has the picture of a bit in a horse's mouth. It's it's restraint. It's power that is restrained. Power that knows when to run and when to walk, when to talk and when to not. It's restraint. That's what meekness is. Moses was restrained because he was humbled in the sight of God. See, he was used by the Lord. Now I want to read you a pretty lengthy passage of Scripture. This is from the book of Esther, chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. Esther, chapter 2. It says, now when every maid... So remember Esther, you know you know the story of Esther, how that... They were in captivity, and Esther was gorgeous. Apparently, and she uh, was was uh, her, her she, Mordecai had had taken her in to raise her, and, and uh, she went in to be part of the king's harem. And he's looking for a queen because Vashti, the queen, women don't like this story very much, but men kind of like it because it, she didn't. He said, "I wanted you to come to see me with all my guys," and she said, "No." And these his, his his elders said to him. He said, "You know what? If you let her get away with this, everybody's wife will do the same thing." And they said, we can't have that. So he said, okay. So he said, you're fired for being the queen. I'll find me a new one. So they're having this pageant of sorts to get a new queen. It says, now when every maid's turn was come to go, sit, go, go to King uh, Ahasuerus, after, after that she had been 12 months according to the manner of women, for so were the days of their purification accomplished, to wit six months with oil of myrrh, six months with sweet odors, and with other things for the purifying of the women. Then thus came every maiden unto the king. Now listen to this. Whatsoever she desired was given to her to go with her out of the house of women unto the king's house. So they could pick anything. Anything that was in there. They could pick the biggest diamonds. They could pick the finest ivory. They could pick a pound of gold. They could pick anything that was in there and they'd go into the king and then when they left there, they took it with them to the other place, to the other house they went to. That's interesting. Any they could have anything they wanted. All right. It says in in the evening she went and on the morrow she returned to the second house of the women to the custody of Shahashgaz, the king's chamberlain, which kept the concubines. She came she came into the king no more except the king delighted in her and that she were called by name. Now when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to the come in unto, in unto the king. She required nothing but what Haggai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed. Everybody else is saying, give me one of these and one of those. She said, what do you think I ought to take? She required nothing. This is pretty important here. It says, and Esther, look at this, and Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. Favor and grace are the same word in the Hebrew. So Esther was taken to sing King Ahasuerus into the, royal, into the house royal in the tenth month, which is the month of Tibet in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Ashti. Did you, I know you already figured it out. Esther required nothing. Esther made no demands. None. I'm convinced of this. There are too many divas in the body of Christ. There are way, way too many people making too many demands and giving too many requirements on what they will and won't do for the Lord and for His people too many people feel they're they're entitled as opposed to just living in humility which draws the favor of god think about this woman esther think about think about I mean, this is like a beauty pageant i've never seen the show the bachelor but all these women apparently are willing to claw each other's eyes out to marry the guy <laughs> I mean that's that's my vision of it. I've never seen it before, but and pro- hopefully you haven't either. I don't know if it's good or bad. You, maybe it's good. I don't know. But that's in my mind. That's what I see. I mean they're 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 going to get to the top. I mean this is a beauty pageant, and the prize is being the queen of the most powerful nation on earth. If you just win this beauty contest, man, you're going to want to take every you can get in there to make you stand out. I mean, you know it had to be a vicious situation. I mean, they had to be just, I mean, they're, they're making all kinds of demands because everybody wants to win here. Esther made no demands. She required nothing but what Haggai thought she ought to have. Esther was humble. And Esther found grace. This is a powerful thought. This, again, Esther obtained favor in the sight of all. It literally says she lifted grace <laughs> from everyone she met. Disgrace was everywhere. The whole book of Esther is about favor. It's about favor. When she could have been killed, and, but the king lifted up the scepter to her and said, what do you want? I'll give you anything you want, up to half the kingdom. Right then, she, you know, I'm thinking, I might have said, okay, I'll, I'll take that. that. I don't remember what I was here for, but I'll take that. But she, wasn't, she wasn't, she was, there was no demand. She was humble. She was, listen, she was a woman who really had no rights. She was a slave. She was the daughter of slaves who were a conquered people, who were carried captive out of, out of Jerusalem. I mean, she had no rights. But listen to this. Favor. God's enabling power of favor allowed her to influence the whole nation because of favor. Do we want influence in our community? then we need to be people that are humble. Humility. With favor, we can influence companies, universities, cities, our nation, with God's favor. Do we want to be, if it's all about, I've got to be recognized for, for, who, for my gift because I'm important. That's not going to get you anywhere. With God, Humility brings more grace, the scripture said. She went from a person that no one knew anything about in 24 hours to being the queen of the most powerful nation on the earth because of God's favor. Well, how long do I have to be humble? From now on. How long do I have to wait? I don't know. What if she would have given up on Humility, the day before? Two hours before. What if she would have began to be a diva right as she's leaving the room? She was humble. She found favor in the sight of everybody. Here's the problem with many spirit-filled believers. They make demands of people. You see, it's one thing To make a demand of faith. It's a whole different thing to make a demand of people requiring special favors. I know sometimes on Sundays after church, it embarrasses me to go out to eat because sometimes Christians, you know, they just act like horses' butts and they're in the restaurant, excuse me, and they treat the waitress. Like she's less than important. We need to be humble. We used to go, we lived in Kentucky. We used, to, we used to go across the border to Tennessee. And there was this Mexican food restaurant that we would go to. And I mean, they could barely speak English. Barely speak English. And I remember we would go in there on Sundays. And what was it called? Uh, El Toro de Juan Jose. The Bull of, of John. And we would go in there, and I mean, I've been to to Latin America many times, and so I would do my very best to speak Spanish to these guys. And they were just so thrilled that I would want to talk with them. I'm thinking, you guys are the ones who know two languages, not me. (laughs) You're, You're the ones who know stuff. But when we went in, we didn't pretend we were important to them. And I'm telling you, those guys, they brought us everything we wanted and more every time we went there. Not because we were smart, but because we just tried to treat them the way they needed to be treated all the time. I'm not bragging on me. I'm just saying favor comes when we humble ourselves. I mean, you know what? People just get offended if the preacher doesn't doesn't call them often enough. Or or if or if we're we're at the service and 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 Pastor Jackie doesn't come over and, 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 and say something to us. Or maybe maybe if, if Linda doesn't come and acknowledge your new dress. If the music is too loud. Well, I you don't like it that way. I think we ought to make it quieter. I think we ought to do I think we ought That is not humility. And it will repel the favor of God. See, as covenant partners with God, we should expect the operation of His favor as we live in humility. As we live in His humility. But we should never demand special treatment from people. Amen. This is really something, huh? Demanding special treatment from people cancels the favor of God. Ooh-wee. This is really good news because we're going to have this favor. An attitude of entitlement loses favor. Nobody wants to do a favor for somebody who's demanding favors. That just isn't going to happen. Esther had favor with everyone in the palace, especially the king. Listen, we are never to pressure people. Our faith and our trust is in God and in God alone. He will promote us. He will bring us to the place he's destined us for by his grace. Favor with man comes from God when we act in humility. We don't push our way there. Yeah, but the Bible says we have not because we ask not. Well, we ask God. That's the the context of the verse. Yes, but we have to make our request known to God. The Lord knows who we are. The Lord knows where we are. He knows what we're doing. The Bible says he gives more grace to the humble. More grace to the humble. Esther is, is, is one of the best examples in the scripture. A lady that was humble. Listen, we trust God for promotion. We trust God for His grace to come. Listen, we need His grace for our destiny. We can't put people on pressure to get us where we want to be. We've got to put pressure in the right places. God, I believe you. I humble myself before you. I figured out one time, well, more than one time, many different times. My job in life is to follow Jesus. Not make Jesus follow me. Making sure that my heart's desire is to please Him. To do what He wants me to do. Instead of serving Him so that He can make it happen so I get what I want. And that's what happens sometimes to us. You know, if I pray enough, then God will do something for me. Now how about this? Lord, what do you want me to do? I'll do that. Whatever you say. We need to be humble. We need to be grateful. We need to be kind. Humility gets the grace. Amen. Let's pray. Father, tonight we thank you for your word. I thank you for the example you've given us of Esther. Lord, how that she required nothing. Can we be that way, Lord? We want to just require nothing. And believe that you will accomplish your plan in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you tonight. We honor you. And we thank you for grace that comes to each one of us tonight. In the name of Jesus. Amen.